0: Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome to my podcast. I'm Kitty O'Brien, and this is your Unconditioned Inner Magic. I am super excited today to have the most amazing guest, um, Zosceline Herriman-Saccio. Sorry, my dyslexia coming in there in the nerves. I'm like, ah! <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on. Um, you may know her from The Art of Being Unmessable, but I'm going to let her introduce herself, just in case you haven't heard of her. Thank you so much, Jocelyn, for coming on
1: today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, so I'm a, I'm a coach. I've been, a, I've been coaching for more than 30 years. So I'm what they call a master coach because I've had thousands and thousands of hours of doing it with 200,000 people or more actually at this point. Uh, and what I coach people in is being able to live the life of their dreams now, not someday, and develop a muscle that I call being unmessable with so it's not about having perfect circumstances, because I've never met anybody with perfect circumstances, uh, but it's about how do you be free and be fulfilling on your vision, no matter what circumstances life is throwing at you, the good, bad, and the ugly, how do you stay out of the world of reaction and stay in the world of creation? So that's what I do.
0: Oh, that's really amazing. And that that really resonates with me, because I've been through some tough, tough circumstances before in my life. And... Like literally, I used to visualize so much, but then I used to say, like, right, what can I do? I I almost used to strategize my freedom. <laughs> I'll be like, right, what actions actions can I take? How am I going to do this? Who do I need to connect with? And um, and that's when I discovered Bob Proctor, Lisa um Nichols, and all these other inspirational people, and I really started to sort of get clear in my head what I needed to do to create that freedom. Because as much as we were just saying a minute ago i believe in visualization and manifesting things in i also don't believe that the universe is going to hand you something on a silver plate and go here you go
1: yes exactly exactly (laughs) without action nothing happens i mean thinking produces thoughts and actions produce results period
0: yeah definitely it's through our body that we um yeah the action comes in and then we get the results we want um and something that I've I was actually listening to some of your other episodes and what really inspired me was you were talking about I hope I say this um in the correct way but like not working against things like if you were upset with something for example rather than like resisting it being sort of like open to it and I I very much have that mindset as well because Um, yeah, I fled domestic abuse and cohesive control, and I was failed by the police system, I was failed by the courts, I was failed by like a certain charity who handed my perpetrator my new address, then blamed it on me. And I was like, I could get into this mindset of thinking like a victim mode, essentially, like I'm fighting and and you know, oh, nothing's going my way, and I want changes to happen. And then I was thinking like, okay how am I going to make these changes actually happen? And I got invited to parliament to speak about my experiences. So that was a huge, big, scary step for me, but I, I pushed through those terror barriers and I really, I was like, I can't moan and say I want stuff to change and then not be willing to actually go ahead and, and, and push myself through the uncomfortable things. Um, so yeah, no, I very much believe that you do attract in the people that you need But yeah, it's essentially, it's down to you and what you do.
1: Yeah. And that whole thing about resisting, you know, I'm sure you've heard this, but what you resist persists. So anything that you're butting up against, it needs something to butt up against. So as long as you're butting up against that, it's going to have a place to battle. So, you know, my favorite Mother Teresa story is that she said, I will never go to an anti-war rally but I'll go to a peace rally any day because anti-war is reacting to something. Peace yeah. is a creation. So those are those two worlds of reaction and creation. You're either fighting something in the world of reaction, but if there's nothing there, if it's a blank canvas, the question is, what's your vision? What are you creating? What are you? What is your dream? What is your goal? What are you out to manifest? Okay, now what actions do I need to take to fulfill on that? Not to resist and fix and change What's so? But to create what's possible.
0: Yeah, I've got to. I've got to tweak that still because yeah. I still look at stuff and go, I've, you know, you." It's almost like I, I want to, will it into existence through force, and I know that that's never going to, you know, uh, be productive.
1: Um, but no, that's well. it's really also just to takes to more it. energy. You know, yeah. it's exhausting. Force is 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 very exhausting. Power is flow, it's not exhausting, it's very natural. But people confuse force and power and they think they're the same thing. So if you get forceful, it's like, oh, now I'm being powerful. No, you're not, you're just reacting forcefully.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it actually. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. Um, Sure. Cause like my, I try and work with people rather than against them. And that sometimes that takes that's really difficult, especially when you despise them as even like with the police force. It's really difficult for me to, like, put my baggage to one side and go, right. You know, not. You do deal with so many different offices and just to try and park it all and go, right, Okay, how can I educate this person? How can I help them see it from my perspective? How can I how can I phrase this better? And, yeah, it's not the reacting because I, I got recently diagnosed with adjustment disorder, and I do and I don't believe in it, um, because I I literally I hear certain things and I li- my body goes and tries to react to it. So with the landmark throwing, I'm I'm still going through. It's really taught me how to like complete my past and like it's the past and the future is so different and and yeah and and also like I don't want to be living in that state. It's not a nice state to live in when you react to everything and
1: you don't think clearly either. Well, it's a different part of your brain. So if you think about it, Kitty, you know, the reactive part of your brain is the amygdala. It's all like survival, fight or flight, you know, freeze, fight or flight, all that whole world of something happens and you have to survive. That's what your brain's job is, is to survive and predict the future using the past and all of that. But when you create, it's the front part of your brain. So it's literally a different part of your brain. So when you get hooked or messable with, as I call it, which is being in a reaction mode, then you've sort of left the building. You're not even home to create. There is no creation happening. It's all reacting. And by the way, that's even for very successful people are great reactors because life throws things at them and they handle it and they react and they, but that's not creation. So a lot of the people that I work with that are, you know, super successful, like entrepreneurs, founders, CEOs, millionaire, whatever, they find themselves in that muscle of reacting so strong. And even though their circumstances look great, there's no magic. The magic is in creation.
0: Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. And there is so much magic in creation, especially when you, yeah, you put all that stuff to one side and you think right what what are the possibilities um so I, I wrote a book in three months and I remember like saying to yeah. my family hey I'm gonna write a book you know this is endless possibilities and they're like yeah well you're really you're like severely dyslexic and I was like huh and they're like mm-hmm. <laughs> like literally just yeah. they wanted to support me and I could have I could have listened to them and said I mean they said they believed in me but you know, sometimes you can just read between the lines. And I was like, it's okay, mom. You know, there's something called Grammarly now. So it doesn't matter if I'm dyslexic or not. That's
1: right, exactly. Between AI and Grammarly and there's, you know, you could write a book this afternoon.
0: Yeah. So that was like such a big accomplishment for me. But my, my little boy's got autism as well. And I was very sleep deprived Um, and I still pushed through it all because I thought I could tell myself all the reasons why I couldn't. And there's that saying, um, oh, what if I fall? But or like, what if you fly? And I'm like, I'm going to go with the flying version here and, and just see what happens. But yeah. the book has opened up so many possibilities for me. And actually, I started this podcast from the book because I was Beautiful. just like, let's just do it. And um, I had a fight through a lot there, actually, because I, I had my vision and I was like, oh, my God, it's so perfect. And like sometimes when I talk, I get muddled up with my words or I speak backwards and and I think the, the first, the, the trailer episode, I must've recorded about six times. And I was like, oh, do you know what? We're just going to go with this. It That's right, matter. exactly. <laughs> Don't like, be in me. what I call
1: perfection paralysis. <laughs> yeah. It's it, who cares? You <laughs> know, what are you screaming. getting graded? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody's, you know, grading it. I mean, you know, people rate whatever they rate, but the authenticity will be much more ringing people's hearts than the perfection in your grammar one of my
0: friends very lovingly said to me, she said, Kitty, you can show everybody that you can just do it and nothing has to be perfect. And it's okay if you're a mom and you've got someone screaming in the background. And she said, you make it okay for everyone else. And I was like, okay, that's a it's big compliment. Coaching. Yeah, <laughs> So, even with my little laptop here. But no, my, I'm very thankful my mom's taking him out today. But um, oh, thank you so much. Do you have any tips for people? So I work with a lot of people who have led um, high conflict environments and I go into telling them about like the subconscious mind and the conscious mind and I try and teach them a little bit about the conditioning and like we end up where we end up because you know things happened in the past and conditioning but any like for anyone who really wants to like I don't know like just start how can I phrase this so many of the ladies I work with, they can't even see the future. It's yes, just that now, happens. That tunnel vision. Do you have yes, any that like
1: survival brain? I mean, you know, listen in a very real way. If you're under a physical threat, you yeah. are in survival. It's appropriate to survive yeah. in those situations. But what happens to the brain is when you're no longer under that physical life-threatening situation, your brain still functions as if it is. Yeah. So things occur as threats. That are not actual threats to your life, like calling somebody up to ask them for a job, occurs as scary as the hand coming down or the fist coming down. You know, it's traumatic. Yeah. So your brain retains that kind of you know anything that's a a highly emotional memory burns deeper in your brain than things that are just you know whatever's happening is happening. So it has more muscle then um, than you'd want it to have. So it kind of you know, is hardwired. So it takes a lot of discipline to unwire that and wire a new neuronal pathway. So mm-hmm. a lot of what I coach people in is is getting related to reality right now because in reality, you're actually in a room and there's nobody coming for you and you're mm-hmm. fine. So all that trauma from the past isn't if it isn't, isn't happening right now. If it is happening right now, it's different coaching, obviously. But if you're, you're physically safe right now, then the job is to create a new game for your brain. So something that is vision-based versus survival-based because that will take more effort because it's a weaker muscle. So if you think of it like muscles, you have an atrophied muscle of vision and an overcompensating muscle called survival. And you want to start to give this one a rest and exercise the new one for vision mm. and acting from that space. So that's a, most of the work that I do with people is giving them strategies and accesses to that world of creation and vision and dreams versus that world of reaction and survival and management and like that.
0: Mm, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Cause I start them off with like, let's make a vision board just like visually re- like that really helped me to have my visual board I hid it away for a long time before I was brave enough to hang it on the wall I <laughs> was like I don't want people looking at I going why is there a Ferrari up on that board <laughs> but, um but yeah so visually I, I help people and I start off down that route and um journaling as well so it's, it's very much like little baby steps I do at the moment with them um but no that makes a lot of sense how you've just phrased that um, so thank you for sharing. Um, oh I've, I've got so many like questions that just want to pop straight into my head so how did you how did you start like where did The Art of Being messable come from was it like how did it be how was it birthed into being
1: Well, um, when I was 11, I had got my first glimpse of what I call being unmessable with by my mother. My mother and my father were getting divorced. They were separated. And then she did a transformative workshop and she came out like a force of nature. She was just creating and fulfilling. And I was like, who is this woman? And that was the essence of being unmessable with. I didn't have the word for it then. Then years later, when I was leading transformative workshops, one of my mentors was on a call and he said something like, oh, you're just messable with or something like that. And I go, that's it. That's what I saw the opposite of back, you know, 10 years ago. So I started to articulate being unmessable with in all the courses that I was leading and in my coaching interactions and in my books and in, you know, I just started to create the world of that word. I got the word in the urban dictionary. It took me about eight years to get it in Webster slang dictionary. <laughs> and, you know, so I'm just, I'm on a mission to develop people to be unmessable with no matter what life throws at them. And it doesn't require having things be perfect. So perfectly back to your thing about, you know, that paralysis, because most people think, Well, they have to have this much money to be un with, or they have to get these people out of their lives and then they'll be un- no, no, no. It's about being able to be with anything and anyone at any time, under any circumstance and not lose who you are Mm. and that sense of vision and acting from your vision. So you don't get hooked. You're like, you're not down for the count. You're able to act from that space of magic and creation and not be- Reacting, surviving, managing, looking down, like you said, you know, looking down and dealing with what's happening, right? No, no, no. That is the worst place to live. And mm-hmm. most people live there, even if they're not physically threatened or even if they have enough money to live, it doesn't matter. They're in a mode of looking down and in. And what I'm committed to is that people have the space to look up and out and take actions from there, because that's where you're going to be really fulfilled. Like more than just a nanosecond, and then on to the next goal. It's like yeah. a sense of fulfillment rather than an op- like a an objective to get to.
0: Yeah, I guess the first time for me when I started looking up and out was actually through the use of my tarot cards. Mm. Um, I wasn't allowed to use them with when I was with my my ex, and um, so I'd wait till he passed out from drinking, and then I would like sneak upstairs and use them. And it was just like, oh my god, there's a whole new world out there. <laughs> so, and they really helped me. Just yeah, to be able to look out of the situation I was in, and and actually like essentially plan my escape, and and it was just so like I don't want to say the word enlightening, or it could could be actually could be um, sure. Yeah, it was just like I felt like I could see through the fog actually yes As, um I still use them now I mean I used them before I went to speak in parliament J- just because they give me so much comfort and also they just I, I love the way the like sometimes I- I- I'd like to use the books with them because each deck has their own sort of like each card has its own different meaning with the various different decks and mm-hmm. stuff and it was just like just seeing things from a different perspective really opened everything up for me. Just being able to see it yeah. from different angles and stuff. And, and, yeah, I actually suffered a lot of memory loss. Uh, my hair was falling out. My, that's when I realized I was in domestic violence because my body started failing. And I was like, oh, hang on. It looks like I'm dying in that picture that's not right. <laughs> and well, you certainly uh,
1: don't look like that now. So. Oh, thank you.
0: It's taken a lot of inner work, but not to the point where I keep going back to do more inner work and more inner work. Cause I think like you get stuck in that cycle of doing like 10 manifestation courses and actually you're, you've not got anywhere. And, um, yeah. through me, it's, it's just like getting the inspiration I need from various things or books or people or, um, the tarot cards and actually just just being opening and do you know what really was one of my biggest lessons was asking for help you know I wanted to help everybody was such a people pleaser but I couldn't accept help I was like oh my god wait like no
1: so you know that's most people most people (laughs) are 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 desperate to contribute to people but they don't need anybody Yeah. So it's a dilemma because everybody loves to contribute and nobody wants to be contributed to. And it becomes a little bit of a bottleneck for humanity. And that's one of the things I train people in, in my, in my group coaching programs and one-on-one is making requests, because if you're not making at least five requests a day, then you are in do it alone mode, which is not a smart mode to be in. You're going to end up in survival and overwhelm and burnout.
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, I did. I. I actually ended up being homeless when I left and I, I got housed by a charity and that was like for me I just sitting with those feelings of, of being housed by charity and being like having to accept people's help and um and yeah and everything got donated to me and 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 after that after I moved past that I was like right now I'm open to actually receiving like and I can receive so yes. much more and and it yeah it just really um it changed things for me on a, like a really big level so and that's what i try and inspire people nowadays to so like be a little bit more open and and stuff like that and, and um and actually my well, relationships to be- are so much better
1: Well, I'm sure if you let people contribute to you, that would be, you know, it's horrible to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't let you contribute to them. It's like, you know, being in a relationship with a brick wall, you know, (laughs) but, you know, charity has, I think a lot of stigma now because it's, oh, then I'm needy or something, but really to be charitable is, is a, is a, an asset, you know, to be somebody who's charitable back in the day, that was a very high level of being
0: you know yeah. and now
1: it's it's more like well it's about an organization that's set up to give to people in need so it it creates a a negative connotation if you're at the other end of it you know the receiving end so you know i would i would start looking into the word of charitable like what yeah. is that you know
0: yeah definitely and like even just lining up in the queue for the food bank, I had all these stories in my head that people were staring at me and, you know, and it was very much like going inward again. And then I was like, uh-uh, hang on, like, this is just in my head. <laughs> I'm, I'm making, I'm like, I'm almost like, imagining what other people are doing when they're not actually doing it, which is unfair on that person (laughs) because they're just walking down the street, you know, minding their own business. So yeah, I've really had to, um, I've come such a long way and um, yeah, it it takes time though. I think I was so used to instant results. I instantly wanted stuff. Even now I battle with that, just wanting stuff like now, (laughs) but actually having to learn patience as well, um, which has been a big learning curve for me and persistency just being persistent at something and building your dreams and and if like failure
1: not actually meaning that you failed <laughs> it just means well that- it, it does mean you failed but it doesn't mean you're a failure yeah well yes I that's mean, well put <laughs> you know michael jordan an american basketball player he's failed at at the shot a, a bunch of more times than he's made the shot but he's not a failure yeah so people have a weird relationship to failure failure is an opportunity to see what was missing Yes. you know, and create a future that wasn't going to happen by adjusting your performance.
0: Yeah. And I think when you, yeah, exactly. And when you think of inventors, God, they must, like, their stuff goes wrong most of the time. And it's only that breakthrough moment where it actually
1: works. And then they're like, yeah. you know. Scientists. And that's what scientists do. They dwell in an area, they dwell in an area until all of a sudden there's a pop-through, a breakthrough. And most human beings don't have that kind of wherewithal to dwell in an area and see, see what didn't work. Okay, what was the action that I took that led to this unwanted result? Okay, so what do I need to adjust in my actions? Or what's the action that I could have taken that would have resulted in a result that I was committed to, okay, now let me put that action in. So people don't function from the world of performance, which is all actions or inactions. They function from the world of explanation and justification. So they're saying, why this? Why do I do this? Why do I, who cares? What did you do? What didn't you do? Now do it. I don't care why you didn't do it. That's a, a road that you could go down for 30 years figuring out why. It doesn't help you in the next moment in your performance. Now you understand why. Okay, so yeah. you know, now what?
0: Yeah, we're always trying to figure things out, aren't we? Like overanalyzing you know, them, sort of like pick them to pieces and then like play another story in our head or exactly. yeah, rather than actually committing to something and doing it
1: yeah that's it that's it action jackson i say yeah that's a good one because you used to actually um you were a singer weren't you i was i had a number one record in 1912 it feels like but no it was 1993 (laughs) it's 30 years ago um probably before you were born practically but i was uh, born in
0: 89 yeah
1: (laughs) okay so it's close yeah 93 you were four you were our target audience um (laughs) But yeah, I was in a group called Boy Crazy. And that was, you know, a dream that came true. And that's when I got on a mission to have people live the life of their dreams, because that happened for me when I disappeared to live limiting belief. And I really thought for 15 years, you can't do your art as your career. So although when I was little, I wanted to be a singer, I just, I mean, obviously you can't do your art as your career. So I convinced myself of that and had evidence for it and saw through that lens so I would find the evidence for it. And then I was in a transformative workshop in my in my early 20s. And I saw that that wasn't the truth. It was a possible view. And it disappeared. And within three months, I had a record deal. And I said, if I could do this in three months after 15 years of dreaming about it, like someday and have it happen that quick, other people can too. And that's when I got on my mission to develop people in living the life of their dreams and being unmessable with.
0: That is amazing that is so inspiring because I think yeah like when you I guess when you look at like the universe like our perception of time is very different to like nature doesn't like oh how am I trying to put this like if we think something going to take a long time to
1: the universe it could te- like instantly happen if you yes. know what I'm trying to say totally I mean Time is made up also. I mean, you know, your views and beliefs are made up and so is time. There was a time where time was cyclical. Now we're in a linear system of time. Okay. But in reality, there really is no future or past. It's just right now. And why those things that happened in your past that were so traumatic seem like they are real is because they're still there for you. Mm. You know, it's, it, they're there for you right now. But there's a million things that happened to you in the past that aren't there. Yeah. Because you didn't, your brain didn't click into them and hardwire them. So it's those moments where we make decisions about people or life or ourselves that stick with us, not because they happened in our past, but because they're there right now. And they're in the future we're living into right now. They're shading and coloring our view of people and ourselves and life. So And the future's not real because it hasn't happened yet. So anything you're thinking the future is, is just a made up thing right now. So it's all right now, ultimately. Oh yeah, like
0: the future isn't made tomorrow, it's made today. So through the actions that you put into place. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Oh, thank you so much for coming on and speaking. It, is it was my complete pleasure. pleasure. And um, I have to have you back on again in the future when I've got like yes. a set setup. <laughs> I'm going to
1: set up right now. That's uh, right. Well, remember, don't fall into perfection paralysis. Oh, no.
0: I've got a picture of a house I want to buy in two years. I'm like. My
1: home. <laughs> good, good. Game on. That's what I say. Yeah.
0: My mom's like, "Isn't it a bit big?" I'm like, "Mom, it's not big
1: enough. Like, i want mansion. <laughs> like Downton Abbey style." Yeah, really. Uh, and then I'd just like to offer you and your and your listeners a gift. Um, it's a five day free program called the promise game, and it'll get you started on the muscle of creating versus reacting and starting to create your life day to day. So it's like a five day free program. It's very simple, it's fun, and it produces some nice little miracles that you would like.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I will put all those links in the description box for everybody. So they can, and also to your website as well. So, and they can come right. and reach
1: out and sign on to that. I know I will be, so <laughs> thank you. Right. So yeah, they much. can get to it for a uh, gift from Joss, J-O-S-S.com, gift from Joss.com. I'm going to write that down. You can get to it from my regular website too, but that's specifically just the gift. Perfect. Oh, thank you so okay. much. You're welcome, Kitty. Thank you so much. Thank Have a great, great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye.